Get your notebooks, get your Bibles, get something to write with, and maybe a snack if you'd like to. Get settled in as we get ready to continue in the book of Ruth. That's what's coming up next. All right, BCU family. So we're going to get into the takeaways from Ruth chapter 3 from the last time that we were together. So I have to tell those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, or if you didn't get a chance to listen into the podcast for Ruth chapter 3, you really want to do that. That's going to help to cement these takeaways, and it's going to make a lot more sense where you can connect the dots. So um, if you need to, go ahead and exit out of this podcast. Go into the general audiences section or in series and studies on the blankcouragesyou.com website, either of those two places, and listen to the podcast for Ruth Chapter 3, and then you can loop back in to the takeaways, and I'm telling you, you'll be able to connect the dots so beautifully uh, because that's how God does things. That's just how he does things. All right, so let's hop into the takeaways, everybody. So God wants us to rest on his word, and we saw that quite a bit uh, in Ruth Chapter 3. Not only resting on his word and his promises and in him. Listen, family, we do not want to miss any blessings, promises, or more importantly, heaven because of practice, disobedience, fear, and unbelief. Next up, we've got to know Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us without faith, it is impossible to please God. We must believe that he is who he says he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And with that, diligence means that we do what God says, when he says it, and how he says it. The next takeaway is this. The wheat, what's on the inside, is more valuable than the chaff, what's on the outside. Please cherish your Holy Ghost and nourish your insides with the Word of God so we won't be blown away or burned up with the chaff. Next, God is not interested in us staying broken. He is a healer and desires to make us whole. In John 5 and 6, Jesus asked the impotent man lying by the healing pool, of Bethesda, would thou be made whole? Notice that rather than directly answer, the man told of why he couldn't get to the pool and had all types of excuses, unaware that Jesus was right there and just willing and able to heal. 
All Jesus needed was a yes. Will we accept his offer? Next up, follow God's specific instructions. We mentioned that earlier, but it it goes without saying once again and definitely bears repeating. God does know what he's doing. Next, God is our kinsman redeemer and we want to stay under his covering. And finally, ladies, keep your reputation intact and men folk, do what you can to protect a lady's and your own integrity. Verse 1 Thessalonians rather 5 and 22 states to avoid or abstain from the very appearance of evil. So those are all the takeaways from Ruth chapter 3. All right, we're going to get ready to go into Ruth chapter 4, everybody. Stay tuned. That's what's coming up next. So we are coming to the exciting conclusion of Ruth's story. So let's see how far we can get into Ruth chapter 4 with the time that we have together. So as usual, it's always best to start at the beginning of the series so that you have a full understanding of everything covered. Once again, you can check the BlaineCouragesYou.com website to start right from the beginning for Ruth chapter 1 all the way up to 3. Let's do some highlights just to see where we've come from. So in Ruth chapter 1, Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their sons Malon and Chilion move from Bethlehem to former arch enemy territory Moab during a famine. Elimelech passes away and the young men marry Moab natives Ruth and Orpah. Then the sons pass away. So Naomi loses not only loses her husband but loses her sons as well leaving these three women in dire straits as they had no way to provide for themselves. Naomi decides to move back home to Bethlehem, urging her daughters-in-law to move back to their parents' home and find rest, each of them with their husbands. And that was just another way of saying to remarry. Orpah leaves, but Ruth stays and takes Naomi on as family and starts serving God. Because it's harvest time, Ruth decides to glean for grain and happens to land in the field of Boaz. And we're moving into Ruth chapter 2 at this point. Boaz notices Ruth's integrity and dedication to Naomi and that hard work that she's been doing. And he rewards her with special protection, favor during mealtime, and extra grain. Chapter 3 brings us to the point where Naomi realizes that Boaz was a kinsman redeemer and someone who could give Ruth rest, that same rest that Naomi had mentioned in chapter 1. After following Naomi's very explicit instructions, Ruth and Boaz are almost set to marry. But there is another kinsman redeemer in line ahead of Boaz. And this brings us to chapter 4. So in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4 of Ruth, Boaz gets busy right away and goes to the gate to look for his relative. The city gate was a bustling hub where all people entered and exited and it also served as sort of like a, a city hall where business was conducted. Hence, this was the place to get his transaction taken care of 
and to find witnesses in order to see and hear what was going on. After getting this relative of his, Boaz pulled 10 elders of the city to witness the transaction. I'd like to stop here and ponder the number 10. What's really interesting about this is that certain numbers represents completion and perfection. The numbers three represents divine perfection. The number seven, spiritual perfection. And the number 12, governmental perfection. You know, there are 12 people on a jury. Yeah, so that, that's significant. So the number 10 denotes perfection or completion of God's divine order or his authority or governmental rule over the affairs of mankind. Let me give you a few examples. There were 10 commandments, and those are found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Five deal with our relationship with God, and the other five, our relationship with people and man's responsibility to the obedience of God's law. 10, the number 10 starts out a new set of numbers and rounds out the numbers that come before it. We tithe 10% of our income. That's what's due to God. There were 10 generations that lived up to the flood before that happened. And to top it off, everybody, unlike the numbers 3, 7, or 12, God's divine order, the number 10, is built into us as humans as we have 10 fingers and 10 toes to help do the work of God. All right, so keep that in mind. 10 is an important number. So now we're going to, uh, again, Ruth chapter 4, looking at verses 3 through 5, where now Boaz presents his case to this mystery redeemer who's unnamed regarding that Naomi has come back to sell land that belonged to Elimelech. And since the unnamed kinsman was really next in line, Boaz was offering up this, this, this particular situation, Naomi and this land, to this unnamed person before Boaz got a chance to redeem it. The unnamed kinsman said, you know what? I'll go ahead. I'm, I'm going to buy this land. Then Boaz swiftly brings in the fact that the mystery redeemer must also buy or marry Ruth in order to raise up the family name and get the inheritance back in the family. Mm -hmm. So this complicates things. Let's stop here and sketch out how this whole thing works. When land was sold in Israel, it really was more like a lease since all land reverted to the original owner in the year of Jubilee or every 50th year. So really, the original owner and his family still possessed title to the land. Elimelech sold his land probably due to the famine, yet it was redeemable by Elimelech's family through the paying of the balance owed to the current occupant. According to the law, the title would have passed to Elimelech's sons and on down to the nearest next of kin. Recall in our last lesson that widows were not listed 
and the line of inheritance at that time. And you can find a detailed account of that in the book of Numbers, chapter 27, verses 8 through 11. So although it would seem like the nearest relative, a.k.a. the kinsman redeemer, would be willed the property automatically, he still needed to purchase it from the widow. And I'll tell you why. It seems that there was not a clear law established for land property of Israelites who died childless. In this case, Malon and Chilion. So what should have happened is, is that when uh, Elimelech passed away, that land went to the sons, and that would be true. But the sons passed away. So because there was no law in place, there was a custom that prevailed so that the widow owned the land as long as she lived and could sell that land as needful so that she can have something to live off of. And on top of that, Ruth had a share as the widow of Malon. So with Naomi now selling this land because she has no other means to support herself, a relative could now come in and redeem that land. In the redemption process, the kinsman was also contracted to take care of the widow. So not only do you purchase the land, the widow comes along with the package. And depending on the widow's age, uh, that kinsman redeemer would marry her and have children, namely a son, so that the firstborn son could properly inherit the property and carry on the family name of the deceased person. So hopefully you all are, are hearing this clearly and how it all works. So getting back to our mystery kinsman here, all of a sudden, he does not want to redeem the property because he said that it would mar his own inheritance. And that is found in verse 6. Scripture is unclear as to why this mystery kinsman reneged, but it reveals a couple of different points. While the business part in these verses is what had to be done, the fact, everybody, is that Boaz truly loved Ruth. Boaz was very aware that once he and Ruth were married and had a son, the property belonged to his son and his son's children after that. There really was no long-term monetary gain for him. Yet, he was willing to pay for the land and to redeem his future bride, all for love and in return for her love. Are you all connecting the dots here? We've got to stop here and apply this to us today. Since the law, you all, could not redeem us, Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, was willing to pay the price for all of us, for you, for me, for us, like him or not, the president, the thief, the murderer, the liar, the clerk that was mean to you, the person that dumped you, the good sinner, you all know, the ones that didn't party or drink or swear, etc. you know, that sort of thing. Whoever you are, all in the name of love. And all God wants is for us to love him and keep his commandments, as he said in John chapter 14, verse 15. Glory to his name. So you all see how the book of Ruth really 
is Jesus Christ concealed, but we can see how he is revealed as we compare him to Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. All right, back into our lesson. So verses seven through nine of chapter four says that the mystery kinsman told Boaz to buy it for yourself in verse number eight. And the deal was literally sealed with a shoe given to a neighbor as a testimony in Israel. So in other words, this man, this kinsman redeemer, the mystery one, would prefer to go home without a shoe than to go back on his word. Now, this is ancient Israel, everyone. And my thought is, is that folks did not have a closet full of shoes like we do to be given away. On top of it, this man gave away one shoe. I mean, what could he do with one shoe? And I say this because this signified serious business. Boaz declared that the elders and people gathered were witnesses to the land purchase. So the shoe signified it and that he would now take Ruth to be his wife in order to raise up the name of Elimelech and to keep the inheritance in the family. And all the witnesses agreed. This is almost similar, you would think, to a, a wedding ceremony. You know, there were witnesses here to say, yes, we were here, we saw, and we heard. So these witnesses spoke life that Ruth would be like Rachel and Leah, who built the house of Israel. And we're in verse number 11 of chapter 4. This goes back to Genesis 35, where Jacob's wives' children were among the 12 tribes of Israel that was started. So in essence, the witnesses wanted Ruth to be fruitful child-wise. Additionally, they spoke that Boaz do worthily in Ephratah, meaning a place of fruitfulness and be famous in Bethlehem. So we know that Boaz was already known for his wealth and character. We saw that earlier in our study. So they just blessed him even more. So especially with his new family coming aboard. Regarding the house of Pharez, that goes back to Genesis chapter 38. He was a twin whose mom was Tamar and dad was Judah. And as you'll see coming up is a part of Boaz's family line. In ancient times, what people did was reference historical people as they spoke life or a blessing over someone. Really, what an honor it was for the witnesses and Boaz to hear these wonderful words of blessing and encouragement. And as a side note, are we really aware of what we can speak over someone's life, especially those of us that have Christ down on the inside I recall a story from a deacon who said that a woman he knew called her son Dr. So-and-so and her, her other son Attorney So-and-so, and that's exactly what they became. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love its fruit shall eat of it. That's Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 down to verses 12 through 15 of Ruth chapter 4. So the two marry, Boaz and Ruth, and the Lord gave her conception. He is the giver of life, everybody, and Obed was born. The women in the neighborhood circled back to Naomi saying, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you without a kinsman redeemer that his name would be famous in Israel. 
the significant remark here is, is that the Redeemer was a restorer of life and nourisher in Naomi's old age, since Ruth's love for her was better than seven sons. That is so significant because seven comes from a Hebrew word meaning full, satisfied, or to have enough. It represents a complete cycle. Amen? Amen. Regarding us, that Jesus is a restorer of life for those of us who are saved according to Acts 2.38-2.39. We were the walking dead with a one-way ticket to hell, but oh, heeding the Lord's call, Jesus canceled that reservation. I am telling you now, if you are not on board, get on board on this train bound for glory, everybody. Make sure you are on board. So if you're not sure you're saved, uh, contact me at blankcouragesyou.com and we will explain the plan of salvation to you properly according to Acts 2.38-2.39. We see that Obed was the father of Jesse. So Ruth and Boaz got together and had Obed, who was the father of Jesse, which begat King David. Further, the author of Ruth recalls the genealogy at the end of Ruth chapter 4 back from Pharez to David, which happens to be 10 generations, God's divine order. How awesome is that? A few takeaways, everybody, from Ruth chapter 4. Number one, Boaz took care of business and did not delay. The kinsman, the mystery kinsman, even went shoeless to illustrate the seriousness of keeping a promise. We want to be sure that we keep our word with the help of the Lord. Also notice that Ruth was home waiting and resting. She had no idea what was going down, going on down at the gate. She didn't run back and forth. She trusted that Boaz would take care of things. And just like she trusted that he would take care of things for her, we need to trust that God will take care of things for us. We need to rest in his word and his promises. Positively speaking, let's be aware of how we speak to other people and to ourselves. And finally, what was interesting about the lineage through which Christ came is that there were some faithful ones like Ruth, some shady folks like Tamar, outstanding ones like Boaz, and just some ordinary ones like Salmon, yet no perfect ones. God can use you regardless of your background, past, struggle, or situation. We just have to yield to him. All right, everybody, this brings us to the conclusion of our study on the book of Ruth. I trust that this blessed and challenges you to do differently and better in God. So please share this with a friend. I appreciate you all tuning in. May God bless you. And until the next time we're together, stay on the wall.